Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Melius, and I'm so glad that you're here and can't wait to introduce to you Gloria Coppola. Gloria Coppola, visionary, best-selling and award-winning author and educator, international professional life coach, specializes in helping others find their true purpose. She enjoys engaging others to live their soul-driven life and empowers them personally and professionally. Offering sole purpose consultations, which are life-changing and publishing services that help writers reach their audience through conscious connections. When Gloria isn't writing or coaching, you will find her traveling and offering annual writing retreats to unlock your imagination. Let's dive into the pond and meet Gloria. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Gloria Coppola. Gloria, thank you so much for being on the show. How could I not be? You're so delightful. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I am so glad you're here. And I would love for you to start with how did you get into writing? Good question. When I was a little girl, I always had, you know, those notebooks from school, those black and white old-fashioned notebooks. And I always just seemed to be writing something. You know, I came from a large family, so my voice wasn't really heard as much because I was one of the younger ones. So I put it down on paper. Oh, I love that so much. I love that. So how did writing stay with you to keep showing up in your life? Well, I realized through school um, when I was scribbling when I shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. That teachers would grab it and see a poem or something that I was writing in the moment. And they kind of wink at me. And as I got older and in high school, I, I took creative writing classes and journalism classes. And I had both teachers vying for me to study one or the other. And I was like, why can't I do both? And then I became the literary editor of our school magazine. Cool. And had a lot of my work published and award-winning way back then. So it was like, yeah, there's something there. However, in my day and age, writing wasn't a career for women and something that was supportive for them to continue to do. And I feel like you would have bucked that system somehow. I feel like you would have challenged it just a little bit, at least to keep finding a way. You know, like I could see you, what I perceive as a triumphant spirit to keep show, figuring out how, even if it wasn't a career at first, I could see you figuring out how. I'm just saying, that's my vibe here. <laughs> and I did. And so, so journalism went out at first, um, I began to write articles and do interviews for different holistic practitioners and got involved in like three different holistic magazines, massage magazines, all of this, where I was educating people. And so because that was easy and accepted, she can educate people. That's what I did for many, many years. And that's how I began to, you know, get involved in nonfiction writing, doing it on a regular basis. And in the beginning, mostly free. And then I got some writing gigs for some of these magazines where I had to write full page articles. And one of them included a time in my life where I went to Egypt one month was planned, but my husband had died one month prior. Mm. And um, a, a famous spiritual teacher, author was going to be there teaching as well. And she was on the board of this particular magazine. And they said, well, you have to interview her, this, that. I had like 10 interviews set up for her and she kept canceling. So I got back to the editor and I said, I'm telling my story. She's not cooperating. 
At first, they weren't so thrilled about that when they got the article and it went out there. They called me up and said they got more phone calls than ever for any article, how that article touched their lives. I love that. And so, you were, oh, you're so right that you don't know the ripple effect you can have when you are sharing your experience or sharing your story, because that message might just be helping somebody else go, I'm not alone. And that's sort of what I'm hearing that with this. Right. Right. So that was the first time that publicly I put like my story, okay, and tied it in with the, the amazing experience I was having, these different levels of consciousness and connecting with my husband in the past, finding myself in situations in Egypt that nobody else was because I was experiencing it differently. So it took me into, instead of all the interviewing all the time of somebody else and what your life is like, what would you do for a living? Here I was writing about my experience. And that was not something planned. It was just blindly gifted in that moment. And I think that was probably, then I think, I know that was like the beginning of me looking at my writing in a different light. Would you continue with that? What do you mean by looking at it from a different light? Would you go a little deeper there? Sure. Well, I began to, you know, as a life coach and a health coach and, a, and an, an educator in the, in the spiritual arts, I began to look at, well, how can I bring what it is I do to the world instead of what it is you do? Because that's what I was doing. It was almost safer, like being behind the screen, you know, I'll interview you and put you on the podcast, okay? And I don't have to talk about myself. So now I had to learn how to speak about myself and put it into words. And that's what I began to do. So one of the, the first books that I published years ago, Both Ends of the Rainbow, was actually a compilation of the spiritual teachings of the Hawaiian culture. Now, mind you, you're not allowed to put this stuff out there publicly in their tradition unless you have permission. I was the first person, non-Hawaiian, who got permission to do this. So then I thought, so I played this safe. You can see what I did in a second. I thought, oh, I know. I'll interview them too. <laughs> and they could have their story and what this healing art means to them because it's not just hands-on. And so I was comfortable with that. And then I also had to tell my story. And then, of course, it had some of the educational components for the students that were begging me to put this book. So my first book was, let's play it safe. Let's do a little bit of interview, a little bit of education, and come out from behind the curtain and tell your story. So that was book number one. I think that's really important, though, because to your point, just the sheer fact that you are writing a book. When you're writing a book, whether it's your first, first in a genre or first or second or third, whatever, you're still putting yourself together and you're still putting yourself out there. And once that book's out there, then you're talking about it. So the fact that you took, if you want to call it a baby step by saying, I came out from behind a curtain and I taught and I interviewed, you still did it. I mean, that's awesome. I love that. And I, what I think is so important in helping someone else in their journey is that it's okay if another piece you have in your heart you want to write doesn't show up until after books three or four. If the first book that's on your heart to write is a different genre or a different story, go with that and let the other stories show, as, show up as they're supposed to, too. And, you know, when you hold that book for the very first time, oh, my God, it's so surreal. And it's like, 
I did this. I did this. Oh my God. <laughs> like it's real. And it was beautifully designed and everything, you know? So, and it was fun because the students were loving it. And then, you know, then they wanted autographed and it just like, it gave a spark. And then here's something interesting. Um, at the same time, I get a phone call from Louise Hay's personal assistant. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> and, and, you know, things like this happen in my life. I get a phone call from her because at the time I was helping, uh, I created a nonprofit when with some things that happened with Hurricane Sandy for the massage industry. And they called to donate some money to the nonprofit. And I said to her, oh my God, I can't believe you just called. I'm almost ready to submit my manuscript to their sister company. And she starts talking to me and she's like, oh my God, I have to interview you. She put me on the Hay House radio before the book was even published. And this was like, I don't know how many years ago, 15, 16, 17 years ago. But like the divine timing was like amazing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm on Hay House radio. <laughs> but what I also hear is a form of what I like to think of as like little divine breadcrumbs where each little thing that happens is just like, I liken it to um, in Monsters, Inc., when the when Sully and Mike Wachowski are trying to lure the little girl in, they don't give her the entire box of Cheerios. They give her one Cheerio, and then she takes that one and another one Cheerio until they get her where they want her, and then she gets the box. But if they had given her the entire box all at once, then she it would have been overwhelming. It would have been too much. But that one piece? leads you along to the next step, along to the next step. And ultimately, you kind of start to go where you're supposed to be going. Yeah, and those divine steps encourage you to take the next step because, you know, as a new writer in that field, by putting it out there, like, you know, in the public, right? Mm-hmm. Low magazine, like that was huge. And, you know, I think most writers, we, we go into the imposter syndrome, the self-sabotaging, I can't do this, I'm giving up. Oh, this is fun. No, maybe not, you know? And, <laughs> and so, like, you wonder, is it going to be good enough? And so that divine peace to be able to have that phone call in that moment, just as I'm getting ready to submit it, I was like, this is a sign. I just knew it. I love that. I love that. And so when you go and get that published and then you started writing other pieces, how did you know you wanted to make a transition from nonfiction into fiction? Because... I, yes, they're writing. Yes, it's still putting words to paper and it's still, it's a skill set. And fiction requires something a little different than nonfiction. It really does. Because, you know, my first fiction story actually wasn't the one that I just published. Okay. The, the too many goodbyes. My first fiction story was a conversation with my granddaughter when she was seven years old. And I wanted a way, one, to communicate with her and to inspire her with the creative arts in some way, okay? So her parents set up an email account because we didn't live near each other, you know. And I said, hey, how would you like to write a story with grandma? Well, I don't know how to write a story. And, you know, this kind of began the whole journey with even helping authors along the way. And she, I said, well, what would be something fun that you would think about? And she's like, I think I'd like to write about going for a walk in the forest with the animals. I'm like, okay, you know? So I said to her, she said, but I don't know how to start. How many of you have said, I don't know how to start, right? You have the idea, but you don't know how to start. I said, what if I give you a starting line and you add to it? 
And that's what we did. And I actually did publish the book for her adventures with Kylie. I never did promotions and things with it. I did it for her and I made her copies to have it. She's 21 now. I said, you do remember you were a published author at the age of, well, by the time we finished almost nine. So I did it for fun to encourage her. I didn't really do it for me, but I realized at that point in time, and you write children's books, so you know, at that point in time, it's not as easy as we think <laughs> to create this fictional story. But because I was a coach and I could coach her, her mind began to open up to it. So I kind of had to apply some of that, obviously, to my own process of writing this first fictional novel. Oh, I love that so much. I think that that is so cool because, again, what I'm hearing is another one of those little breadcrumbs happening because it brought you joy. There's an element here that I'm sensing of the whole theme of just you're following joy. You're following things that are lighting you up. And whether whatever that writing is that's coming out when you're following that and you feel excited you feel it open in a sense but even when it's hard it still brings you joy it's still something you're like this is really neat i wonder where this can go you know you're on the right path it's a way to kind of let you know that would you agree i do agree and so the next breadcrumb to answer your question what made me transition is i tend to stretch my comfort zone and so, Love that. so I, I am in my late 60s, okay? And all these years I'm doing nonfiction except for the one with my granddaughter. And there was a challenge out there with one of these companies, you know, as said they wanted fictional stories, romance. I don't write romance. Romance, and it had to be the end of the story. It had to be the last chapter. And I thought, well, this is going to be challenging. Okay, so I decided to take the challenge because if I'm going to challenge people I'm working with, you know, in, in any field of coaching, right? Well, I better do it myself, right? So I took the challenge and I created the short story that they requested per all their criteria. And then I sent it over to my proofreader slash friend slash very avid reader. And she goes, I have to tell you, I don't like romance stories. I said, perfect. <laughs> So I sent her the chapter and the next day, you know, she sent it back with a few little questions about certain things. She says, but you have to write this book. I'm like, no way. So I went and I, I answered the questions. I put them in there. I made a few corrections, like what you did with my, my little new chapter. Okay. I fixed all that and sent it back to her. She called me up first thing in the morning and she said, okay, my husband and I sat at the end of the bed reading this. She said, you need to write this book. I'm like, Really? So, so that was what breadcrumb initiated too many goodbyes. And I really didn't know what I was going to do with it. I really didn't. But I did have a joyful part of me that loved the character. <laughs> you know, because Lexi, the main character, really is based on a lot of my life experiences. And after three years of COVID and not feeling the greatest in life, you know, depressed, anxiety, all that stuff, being isolated, Lexi brought that that life back out in me so that when I was creating these stories, fictional, nonfiction combined, right? Play with that. It was fun, but the whole process wasn't fun, but it was fun. <laughs> and that's, a, I, I like that you make that distinction that even when you're following something that does bring you joy, that you are excited about, that doesn't mean the path is smooth. That means that 
they're still going to, but you still are excited. It's, it feels important to you. So what would you advise a writer who maybe the joy was there at the beginning and maybe they're in that rough spot, whatever rough means to them. Maybe they're just writer's block or maybe part of the process is just taking longer than they thought or more frustrating than they thought. And they're almost in the headspace of saying, why should I keep going? This is, what would you advise to them? Give up. No, I'm, te- <laughs> I'm teasing. No, <laughs> I think you need at least one cheerleader in your life. One person, whether it's a coach and, and sometimes that's a person, sometimes it's not. Okay. Or in this case, the proofreader. She was on that journey, that emotional journey with me the entire way. And even in the end, in the final moments, when some things took place that were not easy for me, three days of crying, I almost gave up. I'm not a give up person. I had to ask myself some questions like, who am I if I give up? I tell everybody don't give up. That's why I was teasing with the give up, okay? And, and if I don't give up, what's going to happen if everybody hates the book? So you go through all this stuff. But my proofreader, she was on the phone with me nearly every day, celebrating the joys, laughing, crying with me, excited for plot twist she didn't see coming or neither did I. And then she was with me those last three days where it was the hardest. And she said, you cannot worry about what other people think about you. And that's what I tell my clients, you know, (laughs) even my life coaching clients, you know. And so I sat. In, in right over there on the couch, looking at my symbol over there, saying, okay, what piece of me that I thought I healed is not healed? And I realized, and this is work I think a lot of writers, you know, might do when they're writing. Some may not. They might give up and not move past the third chapter. I realized all the, the coaching and counseling I've had in my life to get rid of the perfectionism that was beat into me, which is actually part of the beginning of my story, okay, with Lexi, there was still a thread telling me because of something someone else said to me, you're not good enough. And I was like, oh, no, 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 (laughs) no. And so that cheerleader, she was my cord, she was my thread, helped me not to give up. That is powerful. We need something or somebody like that. That is powerful. That is so powerful. And you're right, because when you're creating something, whatever that something is, there is that part that says, you know, you can all, you can get in your head. Maybe you don't get in your head with the writing. Maybe you're in your head when you start putting yourself out there. Maybe you want to query and, and pitch, like, Let's see if you can get secure an agent or independent publishers, and then you get no's and or you get not interested at all or whatever, how the feedback goes. And you could get in your head that way saying, should I keep going or, you know, was this, uh, what do I do now when I keep getting, running into all these no's and I think this is still worthy of doing, like figuring out what all those paths look like and overcoming that because then another hurdle comes where you have your book published, and then what? You need to talk about it. You have <laughs> you to-, need to talk about it. You need to get reviews, <laughs> and you know, you know. Here's a great lesson I have. I have helped um, women on collaborative book projects. We've done several, 
And there was one we did about a year ago, Awakening the Consciousness of Humanity. And there was a, a woman that worked in hospice and she would channel the angelic voices that she was hearing, like in a poetic form, before these people that she was taking care of passed over. Okay, beautiful messages, okay? When we put the book together, the designer, not the editor, the designer said to me, I'm not promoting this book. And I said, excuse me, why? You designed it. She doesn't know how to write. Well, the truth of the matter is if she had to write a story or even her bio, she struggled. But when she was channeling these messages, they were beautiful. So despite the conflict there, the book went forward. And out of everybody in that book, the one who's selling the most copies, the one who's getting the biggest kudos is this woman because she's touching hearts. So this showed me, you don't have to be a good writer. You have to believe in your heart and soul that what you're putting out there is going to help somebody. She knew that. I knew that. I wasn't going to say, sorry, can't publish your book, your story, whatever. No, because we're all at different stages. And that was something I had to remind myself when this book went out. I know that this is not the most perfectly written book, fiction book I've done. I know that. But you know what? Everybody has a starting point. Every author out there has a starting point. What I do know, I learned a lot about fiction writing. I learned about what I love about it. I learned what I didn't know about it and what I need to know about it for the next book, right? But what I, but what I love about that too is that, yes, there was learning and there's enthusiasm saying, but I'm so excited. And by the way, um, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening, go check out the video because she just showed the cover. It is stunning. And I just, yeah, it's it's gorgeous. I love that cover. It's so, it's just gorgeous truly i don't have any other word <laughs> it actually won an award already that's amazing yeah that is amazing and that's also another way of showing how important a cover can be to communicate the genre to communicate the intent of the book and to draw you in i think that what was it like coming up with that cover another interesting question you still happen to have okay <laughs> i i have worked with this amazing artist and designer three years and she retired. She, she decided 35 years, that was enough. And I said, please, would you, would you consider doing my book? And, and she did for me because we've been friends for years too, but I'm the one that came up with the idea. She usually takes my ideas and she can transpose them really well on every book or anything I've ever done. But this one, she didn't really like because she's an artist. So she got in her own way with this too. She doesn't like the cover. I adore it. <laughs> she actually hated the cover. And I'm like, the feedback has been phenomenal. So anyway, I, I had to find another designer to do the interior. The other designer hated the cover. She took all of this away. She was changing everything. I'm like, what are you doing? She had a white background. Then she put city buildings. I said, you don't know what this story is about. It takes place in Italy. So anyway, we went back to doing my cover and we just made a few little tweaks. That was it. The cover won an award, all right? And I, I kept telling my original designer, but because she's an artist, she didn't want to use a graphic. Now we, we fixed it. We made different changes and stuff in it, but she went and did a painting of this woman 
but with gray hair and a little chunkier? Me, me. And it all, and I'm like, no, this is a timeless woman. This is a timeless woman. So anyway, you know, long story short is we went through a lot, a lot of stuff around this cover. I was set on this. My intuition knew that this cover was going to tell a story and reach people. I had another interview by someone who has published so many fiction books. He said to me, I love your cover. It tells the story. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. So, you know, you got to believe again, even in what you want. Yes, I was thinking the same thing. It's just another reminder that when you're following the joy, that cover is going to speak to you and it will, it will resonate with the story you want to, to share and you will feel it. And yes, there's something to be said about subject matter experts offering feedback and your ability to discern when to say, yes, I need to do this. And when to say, thank you. I think I need to, I, I need to do something a little different though. And in all of those cases, it's still that finding joy and also making sure that perfectionism doesn't get in your way too, because you're right. You could, that could have been a, a big com uh, component in some of these, but I love that it showed up the way it was supposed to, to honor the story, to honor you. So if I may, what's next? What's next? Well, you know, I, I didn't plan on a what's next in fiction, <laughs> But about a quarter towards the end of the book, the story, it took on its own life because I was like, okay, now, now what's going to happen? And, and those of you that write fiction, or even if you don't, these characters literally visit you in your living room or your working space and they talk to you and, and you begin to think you've got multiple personalities. And then it's like, Gloria, what about this? Oh no, do this. And I'm like, oh my God, all these great ideas. And then the original story that I wrote that, that, prompted this, which the proofreader, you know, said you had to write this book. When she got the book, I didn't give her the last two chapters to the end because I knew it was different than that short story. She cried. She said, you changed it. I said, no, the character changed it. So you got to learn to listen to your characters. And what happened is it opened up a lot of questions and cliffhangers for a sequel. So needless to say, there is a sequel coming that will answer a lot of questions and take this story deeper. And because of people like you, Jen, who have already looked at the first chapter and, and, and my proofreader who has worked with me on this and myself with all the courses I'm taking, I now know I got a lot of improvement that's going on here. <laughs> this is going to be better. And that makes me excited. That brings me joy because I love to learn. I love to teach and I love to learn. So even just working on that first chapter, like this one, you know, I took life events and I was able to create that into stories, kind of like I did with my granddaughter. The sequel is not my life event. That's a little tougher, but it's fun. I love that. I love how it keeps coming back to fun and keep coming back to like trusting in yourself and honoring yourself. Gloria, this has been absolutely amazing. Where can people connect with you? Where can they get your books? Okay. My book is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and you can get them there. If you want an autographed copy, a personal message from our intuitive Lexi, you can order directly to me by emailing me at Gloria at Gloria Coppola, C-O-P-P. -P. 
O-L-A-Like-In-Francis-Ford.com and you can get a personal message. So that's in the United States. I can ship in the United States. My website, um, I have a GloriaCapolo.com website where I also do writing retreats. We're doing one next year. Well, actually this year. We're in January now um, in Italy. So um, you may be interested in something like that where you want to not spend your whole time writing. Expend your time experiencing the joy and the passion and bringing it forth with your sibilant words on paper, okay? So I do a lot of fun things like that. And then I have my, my author services that I provide because a lot of the people I work with are independent authors. And I have experienced traditional publishing, self-publishing, and realized all the faux pas. I do not take royalties, by the way. I just provide services for the new writers or seasoned writers that they need to maybe hook you up with someone like Jan or other people and not go through seriously the stuff I went through to publish this. Thank God none of my previous authors went through it and I hope never have to. So I am screening people through my own experiences too to help people and that site I'm actually going to push everything to Gloria Capola because I had two sites and it gets a little confusing but right now it's ppp-publishing.com so you can find information there. Awesome. Gloria, this has been absolutely awesome. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. And I've been enjoying working along with you. And uh, thank you for all the help that you've given me with the suggestions on starting this sequel. And I will see you on Facebook where we both are, Instagram and all those wonderful places where everyone can find both of us, right? <laughs> absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilius.com forward slash tough fish.